That was wonderful, wasn't it? You know, part of what's great about this church is the fellowship that we have and share with each other. Um, and as I get into this uh, message, I, I want to thank you all for the support that you've given me, you know, really since I started coming here. And as I started taking on more of a role of kind of ministering to you all, thank you for your grace when I make mistakes and, and maybe, you know, misspeak. And I thank you for your patience as I work through those and all your encouragement. I really couldn't ask for a better church to attend. For the next three weeks, as Dave said, I'm going to be delving into the book of James. I really have to admit that three weeks isn't really a sufficient amount of time to go thoroughly into James. And so um, I'm going to give a shout out to Sally, our deaconess, who is going to do a more in-depth study of James in uh, Sunday school two weeks from now on July 9th. So we're going to dig a little deeper there. Um, today, I'm going to cover um, James. Let's see if I get this to work. One through five. And it reads, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to pause there for a moment and get back to what Dave was saying, that James is a half-brother of Jesus. And you look at that title, and I, you know, I don't know if you have older siblings or not. I don't know if I would ever refer to my older sibling and say I'm a servant of you. But James, you know, really was, you know, touched by Jesus. Secondly, now, if I was writing this, I would put my creds out there and go, James, younger brother of Jesus, you know, <laughs> drop the mic and go. So, you know, you can see how Jesus changed James' heart. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nation, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Jesus, like James, mentions trials. And Jesus in John 16.32, wrongly, a time is coming, he says, time is coming and in fact has come and you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, insert trial, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We're going to start with a poll, because I love polls. I love to get a feel for where everyone's at. But So if you want to take out your phones, get ready. But before we dive into this, I want to give kind of some disclaimers. You know those things that they have after messages. This hasn't been approved by the FDA or whatever. So... Um, before you get into this, I want you to think about something. I don't know if you caught it in James, but he didn't say trial. He said trials, plural. So my interpretation of that is um, we're, we're going to be constantly going through trials, various trials through our life. And I think there's three places we are in life. We're either in a trial 
we're entering a trial or we're coming out of a trial. I know there's some argument that, you know, maybe we're in between trials, but I kind of look at it like, you know, the um, American Eagle ride at Great America, they have all those hills. You know, the middle time is really preparing you to go up to another one, so I, I think it kind of blends. Um, so, when you take this poll, the questions are, which one describes you the most? <laughs> are you in the middle of a trial, entering a trial, leaving a trial, or really all of the above? Because I think we are all in some type of trial. And as you're entering, just remember that I'm going to be giving three messages in the next three weeks, so it might be a trial that you're going into, so <laughs> vote accordingly. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people in the middle of trials, a lot of people, you know, so let's keep their votes coming in. You can see that we're all struggling in a trial, maybe not struggling, but we're involved in a trial. And, you know, you can see that there's a lot of people in trials, and that should help us not feel alone, because a lot of times in trials we feel alone. Um, but I want to start with some disclaimers about trials. There are some misconceptions, I think, that I've always come to, is that trials are all about judgment, that you're being judged. And when I hear judgment, the hairs on the back of my hair stand up, back of my neck stand up, hairs on the back of my hair, so it doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> I don't even have original. <laughs> you know, so a trial is like, there's, if there's a trial and judgment, there's gotta be a judge. You know, someone acting to look outside of myself and to judge me. In a lot of ways, um, you know, if you remember figure skating in the Olympics, and you have judges, and always the Russian judge was always low when it came to the U.S. You know, the Russian judge, we have, you know, I grew up focused on that Russian judge score in my life. So judgment was always part of my trial. You know, with that in mind, I thought of a trial that needs to be endured. You know, we just need to ride it out, you know, grit our teeth, buck it up, pull up our socks, and just go through it. It wasn't until after my divorce that my view on trials changed. Instead of looking at them as something to endure, I looked at them as kind of training. You know, preparation for something else that it wasn't about enduring, it was about gaining endurance. Another misconception I originally had about trials was they were always something big, you know, large, like a loss of something, a death in the family, you know, a bad health diagnosis, all of this. But when I really got down to it and you start looking at trials from in hindsight, you look at there's actually steps within that trial that make up the big trial. You know, an example of this, an illustration of this, was when I was in college, I was a chemistry major, and my freshman year I had calculus, you know, for my first class. And, and that wasn't the trial, okay? So, <laughs> um, so the professor would give 10-point quizzes out every Friday. One question on the quiz, we had to work through it and answer it. In the first couple of weeks, I didn't pay much attention to that. But then I realized that quizzes make up 50% of my grade. Okay. So, um, and the, what was on the quizzes was on the midterm and the finals. 
so I was viewing quizzes, you know, as not a learning experience. Instead of looking at them, I need to gain the experience. You know, I think for the gamers out there, you know, many of the younger kids, I, I attribute it to like, you know, leveling up. You know, you have a bunch of tasks within a certain level and you have to complete them successfully to move up to the next level. So that's how I started to view trials. You know, again, it wasn't something to endure or endured. It's something that you gain practice. This is why I love the book of James. You know, Paul was an academic. There's no doubt about it. He was brilliant. I think he had book smarts. Now, James, on the other hand, you know, being the brother of Jesus, he had what I think had street smarts. You know, he knew how, the, he lived with the people. He wasn't, he was an outsider looking in. And when I look at his letter, I look at it as like a field guide to how we are to navigate life. You know, it's a short book, but it has a lot into it. And I want to get into kind of how James has been important in my life by telling another story. That years ago, um, I was really into this reality show called Amazing Race. And I don't know if anyone's watched The Amazing Race, but basically, it's a two-man team or two-person team that travel around the world to different cities and parts of the world, um, performing tasks to move on to the next level. It, you know, in a, in a simpler way, it's like a a global um, scavenger hunt, you know, the ones that you went on. Um, the ultimate goal is the last person standing will win a million dollar jackpot. So you're kind of wondering, like, how does that relate to James? Well, I'm gonna try to make that connection. At the time, I was doing a lot of traveling through work. And I amused about wanting to be on the show because I loved it so much, you know, me, you know, like, I mean, we couldn't do that watching it. For my birthday, um, my team at work bought me this book. It's called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook, Expert Advice for Extreme Situations. Okay. <laughs> you got to get it. If you don't have this, pick it up at the library. It's fantastic. Okay. So the book is broken into chapters. And... I love the way they break these chapters in, and I think it's because they want you to like have a quick reference, and so I'm gonna read some of the chapter. Great escapes and entrances, and in that, you know, how to break down a door. Tooth and claw, how to survive a snake attack. The best defense, how to win a sword fight. <laughs> Leaps of faith, how to jump from a bridge or a cliff into a river. Technical trouble. How to Survive a Flaming Cell Phone. I think that might be really worn out. <laughs> um, critical Conditions, How to Use a defibrillator, defibrillator to Restore Heartbeat. And there's Adventure and Survival, How to Escape Quicksand. Um, I, I, there, there are many things. And one of the things that it is tongue in cheek, but um, I want to read you one, one, chat, one beginning. It says, How to Tell if a Clown is Murderous. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And right out the bat, it says, don't immediately assume that a clown is dangerous. <laughs> Although many people feel that clowns are inherently creepy, not all clowns are serial killers, supernatural creatures, or demon and clown attire. So that's always a helpful hint. Um, the one I really got, 
a kick out of, and, and this is the one from the first. It says, how to jump from a moving car. You know, because we're all in that type of situation all the time. <laughs> and it has a preface that says, hurling yourself from a moving car should be the last resort. Like, you know, the car's moving, I'm just going to jump out. For example, if your brakes are, brakes are defective and your car is about to head off a cliff or into a train. So, helpful hints, you know. And I look at James is, is that way. Um, you know, James 1 through 5 is a survival, survival guide through trials. And um, one... Of the thing about trials, a second thing that I have misconception is, um, let's see, God's role in trials. It's always been up to debate that God's caused trials. God, God does not cause trials. He joins me when I enter the trial, but he doesn't. And, and here's a meme that's going around, and you can see that the upper one, it says, your plan in reality. And I've seen this meme said, you know, with your plan and God's plan down here. And I, I think that's not correct because I think in life, God's plan is this. And this is what our plan gets us. Okay. It gets us into trials. Um, and we have to realize that, for honest, sometimes we're the cause of my trial. You know, um, you know. I don't know if I'm the monkey or the lion sometimes, but you know, we make bad decisions and we get into trials. Um, there's another one too I want to go on and say, you know, sometimes, you know, we're passengers in a boat when, when it hits a wave. So we're being drawn into the, into the um, trial by someone else. And I want to wrap up with one of the things that James says. It says, joy comes, you should have joy in a trial. I think seriously, we never think about being joyful through a trial because it, we look at it as something that's hard. I contend that the joy in a trial comes from the fact that you've completed other trials and you know you can get through this one and that you're thankful and joyful that those trials happen preparing you for this. Ben was up here and, you know, talking about this trip, and every time Dave said, adult, he made this, okay. James, the letter James wrote, is about bringing Christians from immaturity to maturity. And, you know, sometimes when people say adult when I'm around, they go like this too, because... <laughs> I, I sometimes am immature. I own it. Um, so trials are often sometimes related to fire. You know how he's in the fire. He's, he's been thrown in the fire. There's all these kind of references to fire and how to deal with trials and fire. One of the things that trials do is in the fire, you get refined, Psalm 66, 10 through 12 is an example of this. For God, for you, God tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to abundance. 
that's called a smelting process. Um, and what the heating does is it purifies, it gets rid of the impurities, it boils them off, it purifies the metals. Those impurities cause blemishes and imperfection, weaknesses. You know, you can almost view that as our sin and the sin we make and the mistakes we make. But refining takes time. I think if you look at steel, there's a really good way of comparing that to what James is trying to say about trials. There are two types of steel that I'm going to talk about. One type is called hardened steel. Hardened steel, and the second type is tempered steel. Tempered steel comes from hardened steel. So you have to go through the hardening process then to be tempered. To make hardened steel, the steel is like rapidly heated to a really high temperature. It's held there for a period of time and then really fastly cooled in cold water. Hardened steel has its uses, but really it's brittle and does not burn. It does not bend, excuse me. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a trial, my first thought is, how do I get out of this as quickly as I can? You know, the temperature is quickly rising. My heart starts beating fast. I'm uncomfortable. So I race through the trial quickly, passing all those trial points where I grow. I really short circuit my refining. You know, when I do that enough, my result is I get a brittle, bitter heart. I'm not able to bend. Anything just crushes me and destroys me. Quick exits from trials create a hardened heart, is what I learned. Tempered steel, on the other hand, takes hardened steel and, and puts it back in the process. This time, the heating's slower, more gradual. And then it's followed by slowly cooling. The process actually doesn't just burn impurities, it changes the mechanical properties of the steel. So it's not just the simple cooling hardening, the, the steel changes. It becomes stronger and more resistant. It's used, tempered steel is used in springs and to make swords. If I allow myself to stay in the trial, the process will change me. I become flexible like a spring and strong like a sword. I become equipped to handle unexpectedness that life brings. Instead of a hardened heart, I have a strengthened heart that is resilient. Theme of this is don't waste a trial by exiting it too quickly. Trials also build endurance. And what you should learn is a trial should be looked at to build an endurance, not to just endure. Let's see, let me go to the next slide. Oh, you know, so, sorry. Getting this thing to work right. <laughs> so, um, you know, in James, and I looked at the um, CSB version, which talks about, instead of perseverance, endurance, okay? And it, lay, it says endurance a couple times. And when you look at endurance in that way, um, you know, when I was going through my divorce, it was messy, contentious, took over two and a half years, and my reputation was dragged through the mud. 
I admit when the divorce started, I wanted out of the fire quickly, and I did things to get out quickly. What happened? I developed a bitter heart. It was hard. I was defiant and defensive. In other words, I was immature. I was only trying to get through it with the least amount of financial and emotional damage. My mindset was to endure it. About a year into divorce, I got a call on my way home from work from my junior year high school son. My five kids were going through the divorce. They were in limbo. They knew something was changing, but they didn't know what. It was chaos. My son called me and said, in tears, and, and was saying that he was wanting this to end. And at that point, I was enduring a trial. I was passive. I couldn't do anything. After I hung up the phone, I realized that something needed to change. Enduring, enduring trials was passive and only made things worse. I then switched my thinking to be more proactive, be a sword, doing the things that were uncomfortable that needed to be done. It was very painful, but successful completion of each of those steps through the process, and it was a step-by-step -step process, encouraged me to take the next step and the next step. I wasn't enduring trials anymore. I was building endurance. I was being tempered. Don't waste a trial by just enduring it. Trials are to build wisdom. So ask for it from the one who gives it. When I was going through my divorce, I had a lot of support from my friends, well-meaning and appreciated. But it all seemed like a motivational poster. You know, we've all seen there, hang in there, okay? That's the advice, hang in there, work through it. Unfortunately, my view was this, failure is not an option, it's your destiny. Stress, just look for me somewhere beyond the limits of human endurance. This is what I was experiencing. Never, never give up, never trying to exceed your limits, we need the entertainment. <laughs> Hope may not be warranted at this point. So, so, so people are trying to be helpful and I'm viewing myself from this perspective. I realized I didn't need more motivation. I needed a change in my focus. For much of my divorce, I was busy looking at the mountain ahead of me that I forgot to look to my side. I wasn't walking alone. Even though I felt extreme loneliness, I wasn't alone. I was being tempered and learning endurance, but I was still making bad decisions. There's a saying in addiction recovery that encourages you to not look at your past decision, but met, make the next best decision you can when it comes up. So what's the next best decision? It's in verse five, ask God for wisdom, okay? And when, when you ask God for wisdom, James makes the comment that do it with faith and that hope that he will give it. And when I look at that, I don't look at when I ask God for wisdom, I don't get his wisdom and mix it up with all the worldly wisdom that you get, you know, hang in there, all this other stuff. 
What that means, I think, is God says, I'm going to give you wisdom. Use it. Ignore everything else. Follow my wisdom. I don't know if you're ever in this situation, but at work, people come and ask me for my opinion, and I have certain expertise, you know, over the 39 years. And what's very frustrating is when I give them my expert opinion, they go and ask three or four other people to confirm that my wisdom was correct, okay. And my response is, well, why did you ask me in the first place? I think God is like that. I think this is what James is saying, saying. If you ask for my wisdom, use it. It doesn't need to be checked. Use it. I'm going to kind of wrap this up by showing a video clip. And I think it really captures how I have felt and looked at trials in my life. It's a clip from the final round of Rocky, the original movie, back in 1976. Rocky is this street fighter, gets a chance to perform, I think it was on January 1st of 1976. It was a spectacle. Rocky's only goal was to finish the fight. So let's show the clip. still gives me chills when I watch this scene, okay? Here's life, is Apollo Creed, and I'm Rocky. My face is getting pummeled by trials. I'm bloodied, my eyes shut, knocks me to the mat. The world is telling you and me to stay down. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to get up, to finish. And you see that Rocky struggles to get up because sometimes when you're trials, you get kicked when you get down. But he got up, back on his feet. Spoiler alert, he didn't win the fight. Surprise. <laughs> but he finished. He finished, he stood up. One last thing I want to add about trials is that people were watching me through my trials. And I had to ask myself, am I standing there on my feet, bloodied, exhausted, or are they seeing me face down on a mat being counted out? If God isn't my partner in trials, that's how I will end up, face down on a mat, getting counted out. If God is my partner, then I will achieve achieve my dream of participating in the amazing race, but with a bigger part of winnings. I want to encourage you 
who saw people are in trials, that you know that if you know God is your Savior and are in a trial, pray for his wisdom in faith without doubt. He promises that he'll give it to you. For those who are going through a struggle, my heart goes out to you. If you're going through alone, alone and you don't know God, then you're really only a prayer away from tapping into those resources that can help you walk through this. God sees the trial and knows how to help you navigate through it. And he wants to give you the wisdom to navigate it. I encourage you to make the next best decision if you're there by admitting that no matter how hard you try, your sin is causing you to make bad decisions that keep you stuck in the trial. Admit that it isn't working and ask for forgiveness. Acknowledge you can't do it on your own. Ask him to lead. This won't prevent trials. As James said, they're inevitable. His guidance, will, and wisdom will continue to help you get up, get off the mat, and on your feet in the end. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Hearts are troubled here. They are in the midst of trials, leaving trials, entering trials, or up in the air. I pray that those people that you aren't, that aren't asking you to walk with them, that they reach out to you, to join you, to join them. You're right there by their side. Stop looking at the mountain that's ahead and look at who's carrying you up the mountain. For those who don't have you, make today the day that they do that commitment to you, that they can tap into your guidance and wisdom. And I pray for everyone that's hurting and suffering, that they know that you know their hurt and you know what they need to carry you through. In your name we pray, amen.